Arthur, I'll be in here. Quiet now, I'm recording. Hello. Tick here. <clears throat> you, my friend, well, if you're an evildoer, cover your ears. Because you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast, which is nothing but Keen Spoon! All right, Arthur, you can come out now. and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today to talk about their comic, Elena, Divinity Rising, we welcome writer Darren Pierce and artist Stuart Janet to the show. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Hi, guys. Yep. Thanks for having us on, man. We got a good show lined up for you today in our retro roundtable. We're going to be talking spies and secret agents from throughout pop culture. I am really excited to talk about this. I don't think we ever have had this topic mm -mm. on the roundtable, have secret we? Secret agent, man. <laughs> Might have to put that at the end yes. now. <laughs> Already editing the episode. <laughs> Then after that, we're going to turn our full attention over to Darren and Stuart and talk more about Elena. But before we do that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, you want to show your support, head over to Patreon.com forward slash CannedAirPod, where for $5 a month, you can get access to the Candair Patreon pod. We're going on 28, 29 episodes there, so a full catalog with... Lots of cool stuff to come. We've been editing some of this content down for the uh, upcoming Patreon update. And my God, it's going to be worth it. It's <laughs> going to be epic. going to be epic. Uh, anything <laughs> else, gentlemen, before we move on? You know what can make your drive in the morning a lot better? What's that, Randy? Listening to us. Well, you guys. So, uh, we, <laughs> so we are syndicated on CBRN, and uh, they're playing all our old episodes. Is mm -hmm. their morning uh, drive show. So, yeah, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on CBRN, you can hear us. That's the Cuyahoga Valley Radio Network, and I think that's uh, just CuyahogaValleyNetwork.com or something like that. CuyahogaValleyRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And there's there also some apps like Live 365 that you can mm -hmm. pick up. So. Monday through Friday, 9 to 10. Check us out. Get some retro canned air. There it is. There it's it is. stale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. All right, gentlemen. Spies, secret agents from throughout pop culture. Uh, Jack, you want to kick us off? Sure. One you guys probably won't know by name, but he's probably one of the the best secret agents or spies, if you will. Harry Tasker. Damn it! Name? Really, you got yeah. into it? Damn it! <laughs> I knew I knew there was going to be some repeats. Harry yeah. Tasker from uh, True Lies. Lies. Oh, oh wow. yeah! <laughs> wow, I, I never—I forgot his name completely. But damn, what a good movie! I had to look it up because I could not remember what his name was. That was the one that I was talking before the show, Jeremy. That I figured you and I would be. No, I didn't have that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was. I mean, the whole point of being a spy is to be like stealthy, be able to blend in, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger, really? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that was such a good movie. It and, was. Uh, it also uh, sexualized Jamie Lee Curtis. This was long before people were saying that uh, uh, they thought yeah. she was a man or something. <laughs> yeah, prove that one wrong. Yeah, really. 
But uh, damn, what a good movie. Uh, Darren Stewart, True Lies fans? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, love it. Uh, wasn't there a scene where he's like, tie- the bad guy's having him tied up? He's like, I'm going to grab that meat hook and like jam it up yeah. through your stomach or yeah, something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. they gave him the truth serum yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any spy that can uh, take a wetsuit off wearing a, a tuxedo underneath it and not have it wrinkled at one bit. Isn't that what Nicolas Cage did in one of the uh, national, like the second National Treasure movies? I, th- I, think yeah, I don't think I saw that second one. I think Roger Moore did it as well in Live and Let Die. He yeah, actually trumped that because he yeah, came yeah. down paragliding into a garden and uh, unveiled a safari suit, which I think trumps that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. safari suit. <laughs> <laughs> and he carried it off. Fair play. Wow. <laughs> that's where it all comes from right I mean most of these James Bond or excuse me most of these uh, spy and secret agent things are all inspired by James Bond for the most part yeah. right yeah. yeah that movie I think was mostly a spoof anyway because it had that whole little bit of comedy here and there yeah I, I do love the uh, Tom Arnold is the uh, like. oh my god he was the best one <laughs> the of the best parts of it, yeah. <laughs> and then Bill Paxton is like the car the uh, sleazy oh, yeah. car salesman that's one of his best roles I think <laughs> Bill Paxton. Yeah. Gotta yeah. love him. Gotta <laughs> love him. All right. Uh, Darren or Stuart, one of you gentlemen like to go next? Well, obviously, James Bond. Yes. Uh, I mean, it was yeah. inevitable he was <laughs> yeah. coming up yeah. today. Yes. James Bond. Uh, favorite Bonds? Uh, Timothy Dalton for me. My man. Really? Yeah. Dude, I, I love Dalton. <laughs> Those are my two favorite Bond films. Wow. I would have yeah, to sure. probably say Roger Moore for me, I think. Yeah. I think- Brosman. <laughs> I think I think anyone that can carry off a Morse code hairbrush is pretty much it. And Roger Moore does that. Um and, and we have to praise him for that. Let's let's face it, he he was brilliant. I do think Roger Moore got lucky with all the the memorable side villains outside of Odd Job. I mean you had Jaws, you had uh Max, um right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The um oh, crap. Who's that guy that played him? Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> killed it. <laughs> All right. Um, anything Christopher else? Walken. Thank I'm, you, Christopher who? Walken. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't uh, watch some of these old uh, Bond films. I've never seen them, dude. They're worth it. I've never seen yeah. the, the old old ones with uh, Connery. Connery. Yeah, I've never seen those ones. Uh, again, the only ones I really have reference are of, uh, the Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and I know those are the laughable <laughs> of all the James Bond. But uh, this new one that just came out or is coming out to last Daniel Craig one looks like it's going to be pretty sweet. Yes. I think I saw his first one. That was it. When there was, was one on of the them. chair with no bottom and they were slapping him in the balls with the. Yeah. <laughs> what? That hell? was Casino Royale. Yeah, that's right. That I don't know horrible. which one it was, but like it bored the fuck out of me and I just, it put me off at ever watching the other two. Mm. Skyfall. Yeah, I was going to say Skyfall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know there was one that had a reputation for just being awful. Was that, that must be it. That was the most <laughs> recent one, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, Spectre. Mm. Mm. That Spectre came out afterwards. I love okay. the beginning of Spectre, but, you know, Skyfall. Skyfall, was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't that great. Yeah. I'll throw another spy in here, a, a secret agent. Um, Gary Johnson from Team America. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> <laughs> the man spoke Durka Durka. <laughs> transformation, everything about this man, the international distress signal, the guy's a god. 
<laughs> Sorry, I rest my case. Yeah, I mean, what more can be said? We just need to wrap this segment up with that one. <laughs> That's a good one to go out on, but we can't go out yeah. on. But uh, when they when they tried to dress him up and they just like glued all that hair to his face, <laughs> like, it's so fucking funny. <laughs> oh my god! I he went through to fulfill his job of a secret agent. Admirable, admirable. And the, and the text is when he sat in that, um, or he stood in that interview or that meeting with the guy who's like sat there with the, the AK-47. That is skills. That is skills. I don't see many secret agents doing that, particularly with those eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Again, cannot be argued with, can it? It, it's it's funny because uh, I saw something about the making of that. They were talking to Matt Stone and Trey Parker about it, and they said uh, they you know they had no idea what they were getting into when they started filming that movie mm. and just how tedious and just hellish the making of that film was. And they will never do another puppet movie again. <laughs> but uh, my God, the, think about it: like getting those marionettes to do exactly what you needed, oh, yeah. especially in that sex scene that they had the two puppets <laughs> doing. That was crazy. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there were some awkward positions in that one. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt, yeah. <laughs> Explicit. Oh, man. Oh. Hey, but all to the love of art. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, Randy, you're up. Well, if we're talking spies, I would be remiss if I did not mention the great Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. That was oh, yeah. Mine, <laughs> Another yeah, one yeah. bound to come. Yes, um, yes. It's, I don't know. How, how do you guys feel those movies have aged? Beautifully, uh, yeah. I, really, I've only seen the first Austin Powers movie. To be honest, that's a really good one. I, I, I mean, the that's second the one's probably one. the worst. I, I would think. agree with that. Yeah. The most boring, but um, that was a fat bastard, right? It, the initial, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But he was a lot more in the third too. The yeah. third one I didn't like just because of how it ended. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing that really killed it for me. My neck looks like a vagina. <laughs> they kind of did like a Blazing Saddles ending to it. Well, everyone's related and stuff at yeah, the end. Yeah, I've I've been very surprised over the years they didn't uh, do a fourth one, you know? Yeah. I am too, yeah. That was... But, I mean, way to end on it. How many Shreks do we need? Let's do another Austin yeah, Powers. Really. Come on. <laughs> the best was Michael Caine being his dad. Yes, yes. Oh, I forgot great. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoilers, though. Yeah, really. <laughs> I don't know. Some of the... And maybe it's just because, like, those started coming out when I was, like, in junior high, I think. So I equate... Some of the humor as to like, you know, middle school kind right. of humor. And I see him now as an adult. And I'm like, eh, bottom shelf. <laughs> I just love the opening to that, that third movie where they had like all the A-list stars. Yeah, that was so funny. Who is like what? Tom Cruise is Austin Powers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Spacey is Dr. Evil. And then Danny, Danny DeVito, DeVito is Mini-Me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent casting. Yes. I remember when I went and saw that in the theater. It was at the Dollar Theater. And my, me and my sister had gone. And there wasn't a lot of people in there. It was pretty sparse, mm -hmm. people watching. But she and I were about peeing ourselves laughing, and nobody else in the place was doing it. Really? Especially when he's driving in that tunnel, the access tunnel, on that little cart, and he gets it turned sideways, and he's trying to do yeah, that forward, backward to get around. <laughs> oh, my God, we were dying. But no one else was. No one else was. We were just like, what is wrong with you people? I had the exact same experience when we saw Forrest Gump in the theater. <laughs> just sat there laughing my ass off, and nobody <laughs> it's not like it was a hilarious movie, but there was a lot of good, yeah, funny things that happened in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tired. Think I'll go home now. <laughs> Lost my shit. <laughs> Lost my shit. 
All right. Uh, let's see, I th- was it Darren who uh, went already? I, I, I did Team America. Uh, Stu, you, you, you're up, man. I threw Bond up at the beginning, but uh, maybe Jason Bourne. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, the Bournes. Yeah, people forget those movies. Wasn't there an, another Bourne movie with Jeremy Renner or some yeah, kind? that was the ultimatum. Yeah, I like... Was it any good? I didn't see that. I think I, I don't even know if I saw the second one. I saw the first one. Huh. It's just kind of, yeah. Born Legacy was kind of just by the numbers kind of thing. It's a bit of a pointless uh, spinoff. Okay, <laughs> just a money making endeavor. Yeah, let's just put this name on it and have a guy run around beating people up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody liked him in Hawkeye, so <laughs> <laughs> so of course he'll do well here, right? Yeah. Oh my god, those were good movies though Those yeah, were good were. movies yeah. And I, I I was thinking about almost putting Jack Reacher on this list Though I don't think he would really qualify But those movies, I don't know, they kind of remind me of each other for some reason I can see that A little bit Who knew Matt Damon could whoop ass as good as he right? could? Right, yeah that was, I think that's probably one of the best parts of those movies is It's Matt Damon Matt Damon <laughs> yeah. Never Especially after Team America, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yet. That's a good pick, though. Um, okay, so uh, I've got one here. Uh, do you, who here remembers the cartoon from the 90s, James Bond Jr.? Oh, yes. I know the name, but I never watched it. Darren Stewart? Never heard of it. Never heard of it, no. Yeah. Oh, it, you guys are missing out. Eh, I mean, I don't know how much they're missing out. I mean, <laughs> see, most of the villains were just, you know, kind of takes of, off of uh, villains from the movies. Jaws, etc. So they had Odd Job in there, but he was like a hip hop version of Odd Job. That sounds pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have talked about this show on uh, on this show before, and uh, I don't think it was on, but maybe a season or two. Yeah, I think they really tried long. to push it, and um, I think they were just trying to bring a younger audience into James Bond. You know, so uh, do you guys mind if I play you the theme song really quick to this <laughs> to this uh, show? And Whoa. I want you guys to really uh, listen to the lyrics, okay? All right, here we go. Chases what around the world? Scum. Oh, okay. So the, the bad guy organization in that show is named Scum. Scum. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Does everybody feel enlightened now that we've all heard that? <laughs> what was the name of that show again? James Bond oh. Jr. Da da da. I mean, they only said it like what ten times in the intro. <laughs> so the real 007 was his, or he's the nephew of yes. 007. Damn, am I glad you picked up on that? Okay, the show's called James Bond Jr. Okay, <laughs> which would insinuate. That he's the son of James yeah, Bond. Yeah, exactly. But there is that that line. He learned the game from his uncle James. <laughs> so why the fuck is he James Bond Jr.? Just because of the, I don't know, 
Uh, why would he? Why would his sister or brother give the give their likeness to their child? Be, I don't understand. Because you really want to explain to young minds that hey, James Bond sleeps around a lot, so we don't know exactly who his mom is. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, James Bond is slaying everywhere he goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to think that he didn't have a child would be kind of, uh, I don't know. Am I the only one that is perplexed by this? It doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> it kind of makes sense, I guess, because if you got, if you're at work and then you have someone that's like your side, not your sidekick, but like working next to you, but you're the more experienced one, you could technically call him Junior because he's like. I don't know. It's hard to explain, I guess. Uh, I don't know if it makes sense what I'm trying to explain. I don't know if the state might recognize that or not, but uh, I mean, I don't know. Am, am, I, am I wrong here, Darren Stewart? Not weird at all here? I'm thinking Scrappy-Doo, Scooby-Doo. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Similar I, relationship. Similar relationship. Okay. Well, just... I don't know, call him Mervyn Bond or something. Yeah. Like, why has it got to be Junior? James <laughs> Bond Jr. Like, Scrappy-Doo's not like Scooby Jr. or nothing. Scrappy yeah. Bond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I digress, I guess. All right, uh, Jack, we're back to you. About the, uh, the greatest spy ever, Fury. Uh, I had him on my Did list, you? too. I thought yeah. you would, yeah. Yeah, Nick Fury. We never really know if that's even him you're talking Mm-mm. to. Never. Could be a scroll. Remember, uh, and I'm sure this has happened many times before, but was it the original Sin comic series? Yep, that, that's one that was making, that's what brought it to mind the whole thing about yeah. not knowing if it's really him, the life model decoys. Because oh. for years they just, uh, I don't know, his appearance had never really changed. And when they yeah. finally <laughs> find the real Nick Fury, he's like he's old, old and yeah. shit. Gotcha. Okay. And just had a slew of them in the, the warehouse. Just living through these robots yep. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. The guy knows everything, his connections everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's the ultimate spy. The spy of all spies. Yep. Yep. He spies <laughs> on the spies. Who do you think could outspy, James Bond or uh, Nick Fury? I would probably say Fury, I would have to say. Mm-hmm. I think anyone that can pull off a safari suits up there. <laughs> <laughs> Man, these guys have good arguments. I, I have nothing yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. Fury, I want to have you try something real quick. See yeah. if you can put on the safari suit and the wetsuit on top of it, wear it, and then take it off and look all I right. would love to see Samuel L. Jackson's <laughs> Nick Fury attempt that and have all the trouble in the world. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Motherfucker. I ain't got time for this shit. This is hilarious because his pants are all bunched up around his groin with the wetsuit on and stuff. Um, I still have time. To make a pass at Jane Seymour. Now that takes a lot of doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! All right, we are back to Darren. You know, the last one was a bit, you know, frivolous, but I, I still think Major Smith from Where Eagles Dare, um, the man with the killer notepad, is one of the best double agents out there. Um, not least because Where Eagles Dare is just completely mental as movies go, um, but he manages to slaughter an entire castle full of Nazis um, and derail the entire Nazi effort with one notebook. So that that's that's pretty cool by my book. Uh, oh, and he manages to confuse Clint Eastwood, which is no easy thing. <laughs> I, would, I would say not. What was I'm sorry, I missed the character's name. Uh, Major Smith. Major Smith. I don't I'm not sure I am aware of Major Smith to be honest, but Same damn here. if he's slaughtering a castle full of Nazis, how bad can he be? <laughs> He was he was pretty good, and uh, like I said, the notebook did it all. 
Uh, he managed to get one of the top British commanders to jump out of an aircraft because of the notebook. Uh, he completely bamboozled Clint Eastwood because of the notebook. Um, and then half the Nazi legion collapsed because of the notebook. So, yeah, good. Nice. Wow. Hmm. That's yeah. something I'm going to have to look up. Yeah, where Eagle's there, it's a classic. It's from the late 60s. They're yeah, one of the great war movies ever made. I guess so, it, we're just a bun- bunch of uneducated uh, Americans. <laughs> if it wasn't on Saturday mornings in the 80s, I probably don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, you see the contrast. Team America, a notebook. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are back to uh, Randy. So, uh, do you guys remember Triple X? Oh jeez! No, I, no, I had no, no, no. Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel yeah, the original. Yeah, that's right. Pushed it out of mind until you came <laughs> yeah, out. Thank you. Thanks for bringing it back. I don't think that movie was that bad. The first one, anyway. The other two stunk. I man. never gave it my time. Nope. No, no. no. I saw Vin Diesel and was like, nope. <laughs> I don't care. I guess it's probably more action than it is spy movie. But what is it about Vin Diesel that just angers the blood? I don't know. Is it just <laughs> us? I think it's his. No, he's awful. <laughs> His ability to portray emotion, I guess, in the way he talks, because I don't know, it's just when he's talking, he's just blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but I'm big guy with bald head. So. There's no charisma whatsoever. No, he's just a meathead. I mean, even the, the Fast and Furious movies have, you know, effectively just turned into triple X movies. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. What was the other one he did? Uh, Riddick, uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, weren't those? Like, it's got such a huge cult following. That was too, like a though. big sci-fi. That was like Aliens meets Star Trek. But I mean, essentially, it's just him being a badass, right? Like he didn't triple X, but he's blind at this time. He yeah, there. but he did do Boiler Room. I don't know that one. Mm-mm. Oh, that's <laughs> the one about the um, the the stock market guys who basically just ripped the market. It's very good. Really? Who was in that? Uh, oh, God. Who was not Matt Damon? Ben Affleck. He was in it. I don't know that one. I know the Yeah. And they all basically go into this office and they trade shares that basically don't exist and they make a fuckload of money and they rip everyone off and they all get done for it. Apart from the fact they all run out and jump into the Ferraris and drive off. Wow. Obviously, hmm. it's the set of. Fast and Furious, but yeah. This <laughs> yeah, is very good. I think I am curious to see the new Vin Diesel movie that just came out. Which is what? Bloodsport? Blood, Bloodshot? Or Bloodshot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I would like to see. I'm curious to see, because I don't know much about that character anyway, but mm-hmm. to want to see if he looks like the character in the comic books at the end, being all silver with a red circle on his chest, mm-hmm. I don't know. Now, was that their first... Uh, Movie Valiant of one of their heroes to come out. I think so. Yeah. Now they've got a whole. I didn't uh, realize it was based on a comic book. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, like Valiant's like title ship, like their biggest character, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Think and they've they've got a whole universe built up. Yep. Like all their characters are in the same universe, and uh, I don't. They've got quite a following, like underground following. I, yeah. I can't remember what was that. Remember the Book of Dead? It was kind of like a. I don't know, it was like four or five years ago it came out, and it was, I guess, their equivalent of, uh, like, Civil War or mm, just yeah, like a big yeah, summer yeah. event that tied the whole universe mm-hmm. together. But um, anyway, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. <laughs> yes, I do want to see that. <laughs> so far, I think it's getting good reviews, so. It's already out? Yeah, I think it came out this weekend. Did, Did it, it really? I think so. Huh. 
My bad. I'm not risking surprisingly because I'm not risking the, uh, going, going into a dirty theater for, yeah, <laughs> with right, Corona yeah. running rampant. Not <laughs> 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 to see blood. I'll look on Cody. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we now? That was your pick, or whose pick mine. was that? That was your pick. We are back to Stewart. I'd say Harry Palmer, Funeral in Berlin, Billion Dollar Brain, Ipcrest File, mm. Michael Caine. It's probably a cooler a British spy than Bond in some ways. It's very deadpan, dry delivery. Um, you know, there was, there was just like a exuded coolness that, you know. But I love those movies. I think they're really good. I've never even heard of them. Same here, yeah. Check them out. Very uh, quintessentially, you know, 60s. Uh, British kind of movies, but very good, very sharp. And one more time, what was it called? Uh, the Ipcrest File. The, the character is Harry Palmer. Uh, I think he did three movies with uh, Michael Caine. The I based said on Harry the... Potter at first. Like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I will check that out. I've never even heard of that. Uh, it's crazy how things just miss your radar totally, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, I was looking at a list in a. Uh... Severus Snape was in the list of spies. Oh, come on. <laughs> technically, I guess he kind of was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, I guess it's loose conversation. We wouldn't make you sit in the hall had you brought it up. So, All right. Um, how about Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible? I figured yeah. he'd be coming up too, yeah. Even though I've only ever seen the first one, but... Really? He's got to be a pretty good guy, if a uh, spy, if he's been around, what, five movies? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, man, they're they're good movies. I enjoy the hell out of them. And it's surprising because I never thought I would. You know, as Tom Cruise, I don't really like him, but he's a hell right. of an actor. Yeah. So fucking good. Uh, Last Samurai was amazing. Again, the Jack Reacher films are amazing. And always love the Mission Impossible films, especially when he's doing his own stunts. Because when, they're, when he's doing the stunts, you're... I don't know. It holds your attention that much more. Yeah, like, I can see that's that. It's really freaking yeah. him, you know? And this, uh, He's not a bitch at all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> but uh, this last one, like all these stunts they were doing on helicopters and stuff were crazy. Oh, I know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Him and uh, what was uh, Super Superman? The dude who plays Superman? Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill was in that one, yeah. too. That was a really good film. And Tom Cruise screwed himself up pretty good some of those yeah, he was uh, jumping from rooftop to rooftop, yeah. and there's a scene where he uh, twisted his ankle real hard on the mm. landing, and oh, you can see it in the film. Just <laughs> fuck. I made the mistake of seeing the second Mission Possible before I saw the first one, and it was just because the second one is so action heavy. Yeah, I was expecting that out of the first one, and not so much. What was it like? <laughs> Mi two and uh, Metallica yeah. did that uh, "I Disappear" song. Yes. For it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have to put the clip of that in or something. Maybe we'll see. Well, uh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> What's that? that? Was John, John Woo's uh, directed Mission Impossible Two? I think John Woo, the uh, you know the Hong Kong action uh, cinema director. I think you might be right. Yeah, I think yeah, I think so too. That guy That's, does some good action movies. Yes, he does. Hmm. I did not know that. Didn't know that. But Jack, you need to get caught up on the Mission Impossible films. Yeah, I know they are good. <laughs> very good. Very good. Right, did anybody have any other entries before we moved on? Uh, we... I was I was going to probably suggest Fletch. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, uh, now, Ch- you know, he was a double agent, and he was also a journalist, and the stunts were great. <laughs> was there stunts in it? I don't remember. Yeah, I thought, 
Well, he put on a big nose. <laughs> <laughs> Played he with the Harlem shot. Globetrotters, too, I think. In the, did he? Did he? Uh, okay. Yeah. On the, yeah, on the TV, they were like, yeah, he's like 6'6 six, six with his afro or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the exactly, but yeah. Those movies that takes skills. That takes skills. <laughs> well, there was more than one Fletch? Yeah, it was Fletch Lives, the second one. I've yeah. never seen either of them. No, no, but I am aware of them. I'm, I, I've, those haven't totally got under it's, my radar. But <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen the first one. Mm. And the second one, I may have only seen it once. Okay. Oh, he's he's a genius in the first one. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch them again. Like I said a few episodes back, after learning uh, Chevy Chase is like a complete asshole. Uh, yeah, and uh, it just makes me—I don't know—I'm kind of disenchanted <laughs> with his films, but I need to get past it because yeah. funny, you know, yeah. funny. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, any he other mentions? Also, he also that? did Spies uh, Like Us with Dan Aykroyd oh, as well. Shit, that's right. Oh yeah, what was it? From back Spies in the like day, us. Yeah. Oh, wow. Doctor, 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 doctor. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best parts of that movie. I'm thinking of uh, the Spy Hard movies now, too, with Leslie Nielsen. Oh, Oh, God, yeah. 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 I wouldn't put those ones in there. Those are horrible. Well, Well, they're supposed to be, though. It's like like old airplane humor. You know, it's just ridiculous. It just got more and more ridiculous as the time. Uh, Maybe because they they were just pulling everything they could to try to be funny. More of the... Totally, yeah, you've seen that one coming the whole time. Leslie Nielsen was really kind of typecast. Because then they had him play uh, Mr. Magoo in a live-action yeah. Mr. Magoo, and well, he was then, just the same character. The, the Naked Gun part. movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. those came before Spy Hard, okay. though. Yeah. So, yeah. so everything was kind of just riffing off that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but funny nonetheless. Uh, Darren Stewart, you guys can hopefully help me out. I was a huge Bond fan growing up, and I, it, speaking of, like, 60s stuff, can you guys tell us about the Avengers? Because isn't that kind of like a mix between like our American A team and like James Bond kind of? What the original TV show? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's kind of it's quite trippy. It's a bit more fantasy kind of based. I guess it kind of sat um, somewhere in between uh, the Prisoner. I don't know if you know that TV show, The Prisoner mm-hmm. with um, oh the guy's name Patrick McGowan. Okay. Do you know that show, Paul? Sounds familiar. You need to, it's kind of like that. It's quite trippy, kind of a bit of a sci fi edge in places. Okay. But it was a spy type show, right? Ah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Okay. It basically, you know, it's basically a mission per week kind of thing. And, you know, it's, uh, but there's definitely more of a, a comic book fantasy edge to things. Okay. And it featured on a, on a black man in a black leather suit, I think. Uh, yeah, indeed, yeah. Mm. I've seen it on just, TV early in the mornings when I'm getting ready for work sometimes. Okay. And I really can't catch up what's going on other than it's just an old British TV show. I just what's it called the, again? The Avengers. Oh, the old, like the original Avengers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Didn't they make a movie about that too mm-hmm. with like a Sean Connery? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, with, um, was that Sean Connery? I can't remember that. Uh, but they did do an, an, um uh, they did revamp the TV show in the 70s. It was called The New Avengers uh, with a... I can't remember the actress now. The, I'm going to have a quick look for you. I, I remember what I'm thinking of. It, no, uh, uh, it was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is what I was thinking of. With um, Sean oh, Sean Connery, yeah. yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, with Joanna Lumley was in The New Avengers. Okay. Uh, yeah, Gareth Hunt. But yeah, there you go, huh? Again, on my radar, but never seen it. Mm-hmm. Never seen it. 
Is it it's worth watching, though? For the little bit I've seen, I think so, especially if you're a James Bond sci-fi kind of... Right. But, uh, yeah, it's quite trippy in places. I'll have to check it out. That I didn't know. That it was more like that. I thought it was just espionage spy, or spy, spy stuff. I guess I had a of, uh, do you remember Armand Flint with Jeremy Corbyn? No. I don't know if you... Yeah. Uh, with James Corbyn, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you have to remember is that television in Europe, especially in Britain, was quite spaced out. So if you look at the kids' shows that we did, we had a show called The Herb Garden, Clues of the Day. Uh, we also had a show called The Magic Roundabout that featured a talking snail and a talking cow. Um, <laughs> so Why the hell not? Exactly. So it's it's fair to say that recreational medication featured a lot in the way that we wrote TV shows over here. Fingerbob. Yep, Fingerbob. Although he was Canadian. Um, so, yeah, um, we, were, we were tripping out left, right and centre. We weren't afraid to tell the kids either. <laughs> and God bless you all for yeah, it. Yeah, really. Absolutely. Very good. And a good note, I think, to end this retro. Yes. On. <laughs> what else could we say to top that? <laughs> all right. Well, with that all behind us, let's turn our attention over to Darren and Stuart and talk more about Elena Divinity Rising. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here again with us today. And can we just start by having you guys tell our listeners about uh, the comic? Well, I mean, Eleanor Divinity Rising, uh, co-written by Stuart and I, and illustrated by Stuart, and to be fair, the, the scripts, the dialogue, the lettering knocked into shape by Stuart, is uh, it's a labour of love. It's it's a story about a, a young girl who is um, she's blessed with an extraordinary power, um, but as with many things or many things, power corrupts. Her life journey takes her through several phases, including um, being taken off to Cuba. Um, she's then busted out by the CIA and seconded into the CIA. And she's the, the centre of a story that really revolves around what she can do and the people that want to manipulate her to do what they want uh, her to do. Yeah, yeah, harm her abilities. Yeah. The concept is awesome. And when you say, you know, she has gotten these powers and is kind of struggling as what to do with them, you know, is on top of, you know, every everyone else wanting to use her for their own purposes, is she having like any kind of like a moral struggle, like how to use them for herself or what's what's the character stance with her power? Yeah, I guess she's, um, I guess, you know, she feels like a, a victim up to a certain point. Uh, obviously, it's a coming-of-age kind of story as well. You know, uh, she passes off from a girl into a woman and, you know, how that affects her relationships as well and her finding a place in the world. But, yeah, I, I mean, in terms of her abilities, um, you know, she's still coming to terms with with these with abilities and how she, you know, how she, how she uses them, you know, within... You know, uh, morally, you know, I guess it's something we'd like to explore in the second season, hopefully. Um, but we have, we do have the thing completely planned out, so we know exactly where we'd like to take it as well. A, a lot of things happen around Eleanor that Eleanor can't necessarily shape because of her age and because of the circumstances within which she finds herself. Um, and it, it's kind of like that that very much she's quite powerless in that respect as yeah. she evolves as a character we see her starting to mature we see the relationships blossom and it's quite interesting I think when Stu and I were sort of putting that DNA together for Eleanor 
to see how how it how that journey was taking it taking shape. Um, and, and to be fair, a lot of Eleanor as a character was developed as we nailed down the story. Um, we had a basic idea of where we wanted to take it, but I think the true essence of what she is um, played out as we sort of created that world around her. Yeah, and how she responds to that, you know, to her environment, really. It's such a cool angle to take with a character like this because so many people, you know, I think could relate with a character like that. What if I were coming into these powers? Right. What would mm-hmm. I do in this situation? There's a relatable factor for everyone who's reading. And these books, I've got to say, too, are just freaking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, on par with the big two, you know, right up yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got to know, you know, where does your gentleman's uh, comic making uh, journey begin? In terms of with Eleanor, or just in general, like it, like this is a quality book here. I imagine that you guys had to have a line of projects leading up to it, or something. I mean, this is a, yeah. a stellar book. I mean, back in the day, uh, in the heady days of youth, many moons moons ago, I used to be uh, a penciler for Marvel comics. Oh, wow. So I've been about oh god twenty twenty one at that time, and then after that I went off and you know worked in the video games industry as a concept artist, storyboard artist for twenty plus years now, and then a couple of years back I dipped my toes back into the comics industry. Um, I created and wrote and illustrated a, a a new IP called Kronos Commandos, which was basically World War Two being fought across time. Uh, that was published through Titan Books. Uh, that was about five years ago now. And then from the back end of that, uh, I was introduced to Darren. And Darren had an idea, you know, the, the concept of Eleanor, but was a little unsure how to, you know, bring that to full fruition visually. Um, so, yeah, it was a project, uh, you know, that I found really intriguing in terms of, you know, Eleanor's ability. It was something unique and I'd not, I'd not seen before. Um, so yeah, I was keen to dive in. Right, and and Darren, where did the idea for Elena even come from? How did how did the, this character come to be with you? Uh, I've always been fascinated with with science fiction, and I've always been fascinated with technology, and I, I love the idea of the ability to see digital signals and. It kind of it the, the thing gelled in, in a way that I thought oh that is that's a very I, I love that this is it's a unique idea and I think it's quite a cool idea and it doesn't get too carried away with itself um, so when I went with Stu with the original idea and the, the sort of the feeling of where I thought this could go the first thing he said was yeah the, the character's grounded it's it's cool it's not too you know mentally it hasn't got lasers for eyes and shit like that it was more about having something quite um uh grounded if you like um yeah, and, and that, that's kind of where it sprung from really yeah i think we were both mind you know i think originally darren you, you darren had more of a in his mind more of a bond kind of feel to things and i i kind of wanted to push it more towards Jason Bourne, kind of. So it's a bit more grounded and gritty, um, mm. you know, but with just a touch of these superhero abilities feeding into that as well. But yeah. it was a good way me and Darren. We kind of met somewhere in the middle eventually. And, uh, and also, to be fair, we both have a lot of gadgets. Um, and you can see that throughout the story. I mean, there's some great gadgets in there. I'm, I'm, you know, particularly proud of a couple of them. And the gadgets kind of... If they like, they enhance what she is without taking over, if you like. 
so yeah, gadgets and and grounded ideas or grounded superpowers were kind of the thing that we sprung from, if you like. Yeah, sure. Nice. Even though you know, I guess the the gadgets we don't see them utilized a lot in this book, but you know, in the the, the upcoming kind of you know story narrative, you know, we you know exactly how we're going to use these things. You know, should be pretty impressive. And Stu was a great um, checker, if you like, because I, I had all sorts of things going off in Rome, believe you me. Um, and we sat down, we had a look at it, and he's like, Darren, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh can't, can't we please? No, seriously, you just cannot do that. So, you know, it, we kind of bounced off each other, and what we have in Rome as the climax is kind of half my exuberance and half Stuart's reality check on what actually is feasible. Um, but it still looks visually amazing. I think it's more tonally, you know, I think that's where we kind of, you know, um, I always try to dial it back to to bring it tonally back into line rather than things seeming too outlandish in some ways. But we always kind of met in the middle, you know. It was, it was that gritty bone thing that I kind of wanted to push all the time. You know, obviously there's superhero elements in there, but even with the superhero abilities, you know, I think we were both conscious once we got into this that all of the abilities stem from, you know, uh, Cold War, uh, you know, uh, military experimentation, kind of, you know, black black um, projects. So, so everything kind of feeds back into itself, and there's not, you know, ideas don't just seem to be forced into the into the story you know everything sits naturally and organically within the the history of the, the world as well and quite scarily there's a lot of stuff in there that if you go and do the research has a basis in fact which may keep people up at night i don't know might not <laughs> that's always nice and not having something so out there that it's not believable, but something that's more exactly. probable. That's exactly right. It's it's my favorite kind of mm -hmm. like science fiction. It reminds me of the same way like the Dark Knight trilogy was done. You know, yep. look at that compared next to like uh, the Justice League movies and shit with like <laughs> aliens and stuff. And I get people are into that. Okay. But why does the Dark Knight resonate so much? Because they keep it as grounded as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some outlandish things in there, but boy, do they try to explain it and make it as real as possible. Right. And it's that ground in reality that keeps me interested. Same, yep. And especially in this case when, you know, he says there's factual things in the book. That's amazing. And, you know, how many times have we seen on the show? This is episode 339, okay? So we've had a lot of people through this show. And we've seen a lot of examples of where you might have a great artist and a writer who's not on uh, point, or the other way around. You have a right. great writer, and the artist isn't, uh, you know, pushing the story to the best of its potential. But this is not the case. This is a great case of two people who are on the exact same frequency, but at the same time bringing their own elements. Like you guys said, you know, one of you uh, was primarily thinking Bond, the other one thinking uh, Born. Mm -hmm. You know, the combination of those two births something completely new, and it's it's amazing. It's it's a, such a good uh, marriage of writer. And artists. So, um, you guys had already said uh, when we start season two. I know you guys recently put out issue four of this book. So, uh, those four yeah. issues does that complete your first season? Yeah, the graphic novels just gone out as well. That well, that in January the graphic novel. So you can get the complete, you know, um, combined collated um, four issue run as well. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, we kind of we've got we pretty much know where we're going to take it next. Um, obviously, time time allowing, you know, we'd like to make a start on that at some point. Sure, absolutely. And you guys uh, typically fund these projects through like Kickstarter or something? No, no. This is uh, there's no no funding behind this. We just you know worked on it in the evenings after work. You know, all of both have full time jobs, uh, so all, all this entire book has been created around around the jobs in, in our spare time, really. I mean, when we started out, I said to Darren, yeah, I, I'm going to complete this. It'll be about a year. You know, and it's taken four years, four and a half years or something. So, um, yeah, very time-consuming. But we have, we have to be, yeah. It's funny because before I uh, start doing this show years ago, whenever I'd go to pick up comics and they're like, oh, that new issue isn't out yet. I remember like getting so like, oh, Lord, where is it? Where's that new issue? But... <laughs> Now being on the other side and talking to these exactly creators the and seeing and the process works, yeah. and how tedious it is, you get it. <laughs> yeah. You freaking well, get it. And, um, and, and Stu is an absolute perfectionist, by the way. I've seen all the early stage art. Uh, I've been banned from releasing it, uh, banned from putting it anywhere, told off everything. He's an absolute perfectionist because what you see in the early stages and what happens as it goes along, it's like, Wow transformation is incredible yeah and it's it's that attention to detail and that need for perfection that uh you know the the reader i think picks up on whether or not they're even aware of it you know going back to what i've said so many times on this show when they were building disney world there was you know walt disney wanted a very specific doorknob on these certain doors and they couldn't get it and they're like just get these cheaper ones no one's going to notice he goes they'll notice they will notice every detail even down to the doorknobs had to be freaking perfect mm-hmm. and it's again the mad, most magical place on earth right. i don't can't say if that's because of the doorknobs specifically <laughs> but um again the attention to detail does show through so that's i think why people are today are willing to wait you know to get that polished uh, polished book so where should we be directing people to check out more of this uh book you can go to Comixology. It's digital only. So uh, if you go to Comixology, uh, it's on there the graphic novel and the four issues but I prefer if people do want to buy it, which would be great. You know, I prefer to buy the graphic novel. We've got a lot of, uh, you know, behind the scenes artwork, development artwork, you know, as a little bonus thing as well. I'd gone back in and tweaked, fine tuned some of the artwork as well, the pages, just so I could it nice effectively. I rest my case, as I said earlier. <laughs> I can just about sleep at night now. Wonderful. Well, we'll put links uh, on the website and on our social media over to that uh, Comixology page. And I, again, I can't stress to people enough to check this out. What a gorgeous, gorgeous book and a hell of an awesome story. I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah, and you can, also, you can also find us on um, Twitter. It's at Divinity underscore Rising as well. So, yeah, appreciate that as well. Perfect, perfect. We'll definitely be uh, posting stuff on there as well. So, uh, Darren, Stuart, thank you, gentlemen, so much for being here with us today. No, it's been great, man. It's been really enjoyable. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks a lot. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to kandairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, buy some merch, become a patron, see some YouTube videos, and if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once again, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And head over to that Patreon page, Patreon forward slash CandairPod, where for $5 a month you get access to the Candair Patreon pod and um, access to all the goodies that are coming yeah, out. Yeah, it's a lot definitely of- going to be worth it. 
Yeah, yeah, and we're going to be showing you guys what these good, uh, goodies are as their editings come to fruition, or at least little clips of them. you got to pay to hear the whole thing. Yep, yep. Come give, on. You, give you a little taste. We give you free shit on the weekly. <laughs> I mean, isn't that enough? <laughs> Go give us money. Be like the food court at the mall. You get a little sample. Right, right. Uh, Randy, what you got? Yeah, so stick around at the end of the episode. We're going to play another uh, song off Adamera's EP, uh, I Am Human, and that song is going to be This Ship Has Saved. Yes, thank you. I totally forgot to say that at the top of the episode, but I'm excited. This is the second week of the Adamera mm-hmm. uh, residency. And what was the title of that one more time? Uh, sorry, I messed it up. It's That Ship's Sailed. That Ship's Sailed. You know, I got so caught up with Jack singing Secret Agent Man at the top of the episode, <laughs> I was like, well, we're definitely going out on that. I totally <laughs> forgot. But now we have to go out on this. Yes. So awesome. The Ship Has Sailed. Yep. Awesome. So I think that's going to do it for this week, unless you guys had anything else. Nope. All right. No, thank, thanks for having us. Thanks, Good, guys. Thanks a lot. No, thanks for being here. And until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. I'm Stuart Janet. I'm Darren Pierce. Thanks for listening, everyone.
Should have been listening to Canned Air. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Snowjob, how'd you get your name? Um. G.I. Joe! I'm sorry, there's a huge plane coming over the house <laughs> right now. I'm gonna wait for it to pass so we don't have it in the audio. Sorry, gentlemen. That's a big plane. It's not too low, is it? I, I live in the path of a nearby airport, so all these assholes laying in their planes have to fly right over the house. It's <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. As, as long as they're flying over, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some days I wish they'd fly into the house, but, uh, you know, can't always get what we want. <laughs> but, all right. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.